All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. Welcome to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Learn Your English is a company that is changing the way people study, learn, and teach languages. Learn Your English offers students and teachers strategies to effectively develop their abilities and skills in their own time. Bringing you the latest in English language learning and teaching, Teacher Talking Time explores all angles for teachers and students alike. Got a question? Comment? A story to share? Send us an email at info at learnyourenglish.com. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. And the most important things that I learned about being a teacher, caring for students, not just trying to say your grammar is wrong or, I don't know, you got this wrong, your writing should be improved. You try to look at them as friends, uh, treat them as people uh, who might be with you uh, and, you know, be in touch with you throughout your life. Come up with long-term relationships with your students. I learned that I, to be a good teacher, I need to care for my students. And I had a really great English teacher as well when I first went to secondary school at the age of 11. And she really asked for our kind of views and our opinions and, and pushed us in that way. I wanted to be a... Well, there's a mixture of things, like a soccer player, um, (laughs) a doctor. I was inspired by, uh, I think I was like seven or eight years old, and then my mum took me to the doctor. I had a stomachache, and the doctor said to me, "Um, give your child uh, Coke and um, cookies. Like That was his solution. I thought that was the coolest thing. That was the worst year of my teaching career so far. Like I, I did not enjoy it. I cried every day. It was horrible. Well, the first two years of my teaching career, I was in inner city Columbus, mm. and it was rough as a first year teacher to be thrown in. I mean, it's it's hard anywhere, but it was rough that year. And kids just didn't value education, especially Spanish class. And I cried almost every day. I think it is important to to say people how important they are in our lives. You know. Mm-hmm. People they 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 don't do that because they want to uh, listen to you back. They do that because it's just what they are. They're kind. But when you when you talk to people, when you say how important you were in their lives, they feel even better, and maybe they can start impacting more people. When I got back from India, I was really at loose ends, and 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 almost the marker had almost been set to zero for what I was going to do with my life. I did. I actually took a bunch of different classes. I took Tai Chi. I took driving lessons. I took Hindi lessons, and on the last day, we had to write our um, our profession, and I didn't have one, but I was taking this <laughs> TESOL course, so I wrote ESL teacher, and a week or two later, one of my fellow students phoned me and said, hey, Matthew, you're an ESL teacher, right? And I was just like, uh, well, I am now. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Carrie and I'm from Macau. This is Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast.
education. It's not about studying or homework. It's not even only about learning. Education can be a lifestyle. It can be life-changing. Perhaps it can be something that can even change the world. Nelson Mandela famously said that education, education is, one most... is one of the most important weapons in a country. We wanted to transform education into a national asset, into an instrument we can use for development. I think that still holds true. I hope you do too. October 5th, which is today, the day this episode is being released, is Teacher's Day in Canada, as it is in more than 100 countries around the world. For a teacher, or if you're just really grateful for education in general, and you should be, now is the time to show that appreciation. Today is National Teacher Appreciation Day, so use the day, take a moment, appreciate educators of all kinds and all the good that they do in the world. Did you ever have a favorite teacher? I did, Brenda Brewer. Why, why, why was she your favorite? I don't know, she just, she just connected and she made me work hard and understand how important school was and I enjoyed school with her. On October 5th, we celebrate those of us that bring the light of learning to this world. Happy World Teachers Day. Some nations, including the United States, who celebrate in May, have alternative dates, but many follow October 5th, which was established by UNESCO in 1994. This is a day to honor and thank teachers, teaching organizations, and those involved in education globally for all the work they do. I'm relentlessly pursuing my academic area of interest and at New York Law School. He pushed us to do it the best that we could, um, and he was just so fun. He kind of opened the door to this whole world of calculus and upper-level science and math, and he was also a great mentor because they pushed me to be successful, and without that push, I wouldn't be who I am today, and I'm grateful for what they have done. We've dedicated this episode to teachers and teaching professionals everywhere. We've said this before, but teaching can be, somewhat ironically, an isolating profession. We work with many interesting, inspiring people, but sometimes we don't know their stories. Or just how similar their stories are to our stories. And sometimes we don't learn the stories of teachers all over the world because there are teachers all over the world, of course. This goes without saying. But education is also learning about others and finding comfort and knowledge in shared experiences. And that's the aim of this episode, to share stories to inspire, and to make the world a little smaller. Thanks for listening. This is Teacher Talking Time. In this special episode, we simply ask, why did you become a teacher? And we had the opportunity to interview six different teachers, three men. Okay, my name is Mustafa Asrati. Matthew Brown. Okay, so my name is Danny McGee. And three women. Yes, uh, my name's Angela. So hi, I'm Mandy Welfare. So my name's Marina. From a wide variety of teaching contexts, backgrounds, and experience. 
And my teaching context right now is uh, the school of ESL at George Brown College. I don't want to age myself, okay. but I've been teaching, I would say, for around uh, 30 years now. I'm originally from uh, just south of Bath in England, but I'm based in Berlin. Um, I've been teaching for, oh, how many years? 13 years, teaching English for 13 years. And uh, for the past seven years, I've been focusing on business English and intercultural communication training. Um, and I also write some ELT materials. Um, I am teaching uh, at George Brown. I'm teaching in the EAP program, level four. And I've been teaching since 2002. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I teach middle school Spanish. So seventh grade exploratory. I get, I get six, every six weeks I get new kids. It's just the basics and then eighth grade Spanish one. It's like a high school course. And I've been teaching for six years. Ryerson, 21 years. 22. No. 20 plus. Depends. 20 plus. <laughs> 20 yes. plus. Let's be merciful. <laughs> okay. And I've taught um, grades, yeah, okay. from grade four to grade 12, basically. And I've taught adults um, in college and university situations. I'm from Brazil. I'm from Chapecoal in the south of Brazil. I'm 34 now, and I've been teaching English for 20 years. 20? And yeah, my focus is on you know adult learners and beginners, and mainly people who are preparing to travel, you know, so they, they don't have a lot of contact with the language, and my main objective is to make them be understood. We talked teaching, life, success stories, and failures. If they still inspire, feel inspired, and about how they got into the field in the first place. In part one, we talk about why they became teachers, if they always wanted to be teachers, about their favorite teacher growing up, and if they try to embody anything now about that person. And maybe most importantly, if they've had any lollipop moments, something we'll explain later. Six teachers, eight questions, two episodes. This is part one. Let's get started. Number one. First question is always the reasons for becoming a teacher. Some people say that they became a teacher. Some people say that they've always been a teacher. Some people say they ended up being a teacher, never having thought about it really. Um, which one of those, if any, apply to you? And if it's none of those, uh, what's your story? Okay, that's a good question. Um, I would say I became a teacher uh, because I wanted to learn better myself. Mm. Um, I found out when I was in high school that if I tutored other students, uh, and it could be anything, maths, physics, chemistry, and English, uh, I would learn the subject matter myself in a better way. Uh, so that's how I got into teaching in the first place. I didn't have any intention of becoming a teacher when I was a... <laughs> When I was a teenager. I have the same story, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, uh, yes, I, I thought, well, it's not a bad idea to start clarifying my points to other people so that I learn myself better. Mm -hmm. And I became a teacher. Okay. And then I went to university. I studied uh, English language and literature, started, started tutoring, uh, did my master's, did my PhD. And then once you have all those different things, you do not know what else to do. <laughs> Other than teaching, <laughs> so you're not stuck is not a good word, but you're 
you're molded into it uh, in a way a yes yeah okay well the irony is that both my parents are teachers mm-hmm. but okay. they're but they're like they were really easy going they never told us they wanted us to be teachers there's three kids in my family and then i mean they talked about it they both taught in the same school board um so at the dinner table we we're always hearing stories but of course we, you know they're boring stories for kids and <laughs> but i guess what happened was when i finished they just wanted us to go to university and study something so i studied theater and I didn't. I wasn't gung ho to start in a career in theater after theater school. I was really turned off to the whole thing, actually. So I decided I'd go to India just to get away from everything I had known up until that point. Um, but before that, I was at loose ends, and even actually in the years growing up, any time I didn't know what to do, my parents would usually know about some volunteer position doing teaching, mm-hmm. you know, in a summer camp or something. Um, so I had teaching experience just by virtue of having parents who didn't want me around the house and then would suggest things (laughs) (laughs) like a creative arts camp then I had some cool but that's great gigs yeah it was good I was an artist I I identified as being an artist but there were teaching things within the arts like a film Mm. camp or whatever so uh, young people's theater I used to be an assistant in their summer program which was a lot of fun um so yeah so when i got back from india i was really at loose ends and 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 almost the marker had almost been set to zero for what i was going to do with my life and once again i went in and lectured guest lectured in my um, dad's school and then at my mom's esl school i came and helped out and i did i actually took a bunch of different classes i took tai chi i took driving lessons i took hindi lessons and i decided why not learn how to oh i know it was a global entrepreneurship course at ryerson of all places okay and on the last day we had to write our um our profession and i didn't have one but i was taking this (laughs) tesla course so i wrote esl teacher and a week or two later one of my fellow students phoned me and said hey matthew you're an esl teacher right and i was like uh well, I am now. <laughs> why do you ask? Why do you ask? And is there money in it? <laughs> and he said his cousin was coming over from Korea. And since I had put that I was an English teacher on that form. So there I found myself uh, tutoring. Yeah. One on one. And I liked it. And that student liked it. And so, you know, that's the way I became a teacher. So I did. I should go back a little bit to my university days. Yeah, yeah, I did sure. psychology and sociology mainly. And um, I really like. I really enjoyed those subjects, among others as well. And but I finished my university. Uh, this is in Wales, in the UK. But I I couldn't get a job in in that in those fields like psychology and sociology. There's just mm-hmm. there's just no there are no jobs in the, in those fields um, unless you have maybe some specialization in something or other. So I I um. I was wondering what to do, and I, I had recently read a book um, by a Brazilian author called um, called The Alchemist. The, the mm-hmm. author's name is Paulo Coelho. Of course. And um, so I had this interest in Brazil, and then I I was looking for a job, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I saw an ad in the newspaper which said, "Learn to teach English in six weeks, <laughs> and you can travel abroad." And yeah, I, that's oh, the that's the. Catchphrase for getting people in, right? This is great. Yeah, uh, I was like, okay. Uh, I, I, my father is a teacher, actually, so I, I've always, right. I've always had some interest in it, and I've always, kind of being like an introvert, extrovert. I, I enjoy being in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, uh, half the time, 
And uh, I was like, okay, well, why not? I, I don't have a job. I was painting and decorating at the time and with my friend's father. So I did the course, six weeks. Um, it, was, it, was, it was supposed to be intensive. It was like three evenings a week. Uh, okay. we, they got us teaching like in the very beginning, like literally the first class, I think we were teaching for like oh, that's great. Like just little 10 minutes slot that's you know, with, a, with yeah. a partner. Mm -hmm. So I did that and then six weeks, knocked it out. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then here we go. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. So then, and then, uh, and then I, so I, I completed the course and I enjoyed it. It was great. I had a great time with, with all these international students and whatever. And then I applied for a job. I saw an ad in the newspaper, another ad in the newspaper saying, oh, we need teachers for such and such school in central London, Piccadilly Circus. Mm -hmm. And I applied and literally within a few days I was called and I'll oh, come pretty into you. Let's, let's, let's get to know you, whatever. So I went there, that was like the following week, met the, the, the chair, whatever, the boss, and then he was like, okay, um, so I see you studied your, you did your TEFL, mm -hmm. in, it was called TTI, where I did it, and uh, yeah, we, we hire a lot of teachers from the school, you can start next week. Uh -huh. And so literally, like, yeah, like a week, two weeks or whatever, from completing the course, and then... Like, within two weeks, I was actually in, in a classroom. Um, well, I never wanted to be a teacher. My background is in communication. Mm -hmm. So, it allows me to do anything. Um, <laughs> so, I looked for jobs. I did some internships with my speech communication degree. And it was leading me into sales and advertising and marketing. And it just wasn't me. I hated it. I didn't like it. Um, and my cousin is a teacher. So, I said, let me shadow her and her colleagues and see what this is all about. And I liked it. So, like within a month, I signed up for college courses, a program, and was on my way. And now I don't believe I ever wanted to do anything else. I love it. Nice. I really love it. It allows me to be creative and I'm middle school, so I get to have fun and be a nerd. And they're nerds, so they don't know the difference. <laughs> and they just accept me for who I am. <laughs> I, I, I was desperate to get out of my tiny village. Um, and so I, I really wanted to leave and leave the UK and uh, have a different um, experience in, in a different country. And I really love languages as well. So um, I got into teaching kind of as a, a bit of a backpacker teacher right. um, in Spain, in Barcelona, actually, where we met. Um, oh, yeah. Is that yeah. where you started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually um, did my shelter at International House in Barcelona. Oh, well. no kidding. Okay, so that's home for you. You felt comfortable. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it was really nice to, to go back and to, to give a talk at the IH conference. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, 12, 13 years later. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I definitely, I wouldn't say that I always was a teacher. Um, I've always been interested in languages, in learning languages, um, and when I was at university, I was I was studying English literature with a couple of kind of elective modules in in TEFL, and my TEFL teacher was um, really enthusiastic and really really supportive and helpful. And I thought, oh, that's a great way that I can learn languages. I can go abroad and teach English and earn some money and and then learn some languages at the same time and mm -hmm. and then travel as well. And so um, I started that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just really, really enjoyed it um, from from the start. Do you know when people go over crisis, financial crisis? That's what happened in 1999 here in my country. 
And uh, I started learning English when I was 12. Okay. So I had been a student for two years in a language school and there was a terrible financial crisis over here. So the first thing my parents would quit was my English course because it was really expensive at the time. And I did a scene, I cried. <laughs> and I made my dad, please keep me studying. Then my mom thought, okay, we'll find a way. We'll talk to the people at school. Maybe you can find something. You can find a job over there, a part-time job. And when I came to school to talk to them and explain my situation, the school principal told me, your teacher says good things about you. She likes your English level. She thinks you could be a trainee or something like that. So I started working to pay for my lessons. And wow. then I discovered myself as a tutor. <laughs> so you started working at 13? Yeah, at 14. At 14, as a tutor, okay. Yeah, so uh, it was an exchange because I wasn't allowed to work formally, you know? Okay. So it was an exchange. I would, I would do some hours to cover my, my, my studies. And when I became 16, then I had the, the right to work legally. They hired me as wow. a teacher. Now it was a, it was a beautiful path. <laughs> as you became an adult, what made you decide that teaching is for you and you did not want to pursue other avenues? Well, when I was 18, when I entered college, I went for law school and oh. because I thought there were many opportunities. And I thought that maybe teaching English wouldn't, uh, wouldn't give me many options. My mistake. But I was young. <laughs> <laughs> when we deal with law, things are not so easy to deal. You deal with crimes. You deal with abuse. You deal with a lot of bad energies, as if I can call it like that. Mm -hmm. So I looked at myself and, and I thought, okay, it's time for you to, to wake up every day and do something better. Do something that shines you up that lights you up. So that's why I have decided to actually dedicate myself to being a teacher. Number two. Six-year-old Mandy for a minute, or maybe 10-year-old Mandy. <laughs> okay. And... You know, jog your memory a bit of what, what that girl was like. Maybe she's exactly the same as the Mandy that exists now. But <laughs> when she was six or eight or ten, what did Mandy want to be when she, quote unquote, grew up? I can actually, I can tell you what ten-year-old Mandy wanted to be. I okay. wanted to go to university. I wanted to study English literature and I wanted to be an English teacher in a secondary school in the UK. Wow. Yeah, and I have no idea why. I mean, I was a real keen reader, um, and so, so maybe that was why. I just, I loved literature, I loved books, I loved poetry, and I think maybe that was why. Ah, interesting. I think um, my, okay, I come from a business family background, okay. so I wanted to follow in the footsteps of my family. And um, we had a business and I wanted to do the same thing. Um, but then my parents, I think they, they, as was the case at that point in time, and I think it is still the case now, they wanted to push me to go to university because mm -hmm. they thought it's very good to study and to um, go to university. And I always had this at the back of my mind that even if I study hard one day after I finish my 
studies if uh, I, I would come back and start the business and go back into the family business again. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen actually. Uh, so when I was very young, I think I wanted to to go into business uh, rather than become a teacher. Okay. Do you regret that? Uh, <laughs> 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 okay, that's a good... Um, from a financial point of view, I would say yes. Sometimes okay. you start regretting that because given the precarious nature of teaching in Canadian colleges, Mm -hmm. sometimes you say, okay, here money comes first, independence comes first, financial independence, not trying to chase employees for a couple of classes is is a lot, you know, worse than, you know, um, coming up with day-to-day management of your business. So that's the negative side of it. Having said that, um, becoming a teacher has all, has got its own merits as well. You interact with students, and that's the most fun of the job of teaching. You 100% make a lot agree. of friends. Like yeah. I come across students like that I had years ago, mm-hmm. and then we they run into me just uh, I don't know in a shopping mall they come and say hello and that gives me a very good feeling good good to be with people to help them um, learn and achieve their dreams uh, I think that now when I think about it no I don't regret it let's go back a little bit yeah sure when you were like baby Danny mm. toddler Danny yeah, yeah, adolescent yeah. Danny yeah. what did that Danny want to be when he when he grew up mm. Uh, I wanted to be a well. There's a mixture of things like a soccer player, yeah, um, <laughs> a doctor. I was inspired by. Uh, I think I was like seven or eight years old, and then my mum took me to the doctor. I had a stomach ache, and the doctor said to me, um, "Give your child uh, coke and um, cookies." Like mm-hmm. that was his solution. I thought that was the coolest thing. Ever. <laughs> So I wanted that, to be a, a doctor, doctor would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to be a doctor, yeah, soccer player, and uh, yeah, yeah, I guess those were the okay. actor and um, and a writer. Actually, I wanted to be a children's mm. story writer. That and until today, I still have that sort of um, dream in the back of my mind. Nice. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a news reporter. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so nice. that's what I went to school for. CNN or Fox News? No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, CNN was like the thing. I yeah. Wanted, I'm, I'm going to live in Atlanta. I'm going to be on CNN. But I really wanted to do like like celebrity gossip, like E! Entertainment. That was my uh, That was what I really wanted to do. Perez Hilton. Yes. Like okay. that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Fascinating. But, okay. It's really hard, obviously, to get into, even like um, local news. And when I moved to Columbus from my small college town, it was just a, a too big of a market for someone so green. And you really have to start in a small little town. Um, and they make like $10 an hour. It's it's a rough Oof, life yeah. until, you kind of, until you start making a name for yourself and moving around. I did my internship at a news station, a TV station. Um, and, it's, and I realized then that I was afraid of the camera 
So it was never going to work. Let's see, fireman, spaceman, yeah. garbage collector. Different phases? No, comic book artist mostly. Okay. Yeah. And you are now. Wow. I'm trying to, it's not I'm trying to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, I do it, but I don't do it to make money. So, I mean, I mean, I wish I did. But, no, ESL teaching has been my life. It really uh, okay. has ended up being my life. I remember wanting to be a, a veterinarian when I was really young. <laughs> And then I realized that it involved science. I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not just petting the dog. <laughs> well, I just like the animals. So then I realized, yeah, well, too. no, you know, I don't. It's very scientific. It's very scientific. Well, it's, it's a doctor. I like, I can't be a doctor. I can't do that. This question might not apply to you directly because you started teaching at, at such a young age. But when you were growing up, in whatever age that is, six years old, eight years old, seven, ten, whatever, what did you want to be? I'm sure it's a variety of things. And maybe it was a teacher as well. But what if you go back to your childhood... What did you want to be? Oh, a singer. A singer? Yeah. <laughs> Roberto Carlos. Yeah, no, no, no. Not actually. More like a pop, <laughs> like Madonna, you know? Okay. Because <laughs> I would listen to songs in English at that time. <laughs> okay. You wanted to... Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and what... I would love to sound her, like her, not look like her, okay? Let's make it clear. <laughs> okay. I didn't say anything. <laughs> what happened to that? I still sing, but not professionally. Okay. <laughs> but I saw that the, um, you know, this kind of entertainment life is not for me. <laughs> and then was teaching the next one, or was there something else after that? It has never been actually mm. until the moment I had to become a teacher, and then I I thought it was for me. But it was always about dealing with arts. I would like to be an artist, and especially a singer. Uh, and then when I saw myself teaching at the age of 14, I started realizing that was a great way for making a living. I think many people would argue that teaching is also an art. So you may not have strayed as yeah. far as you think you have. Now you made me think. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know, quality professional development is such an important part of the teaching industry, but it's surprisingly hard to come by. That's why I was so pleased to come across Learn Your English, a company providing online teacher education courses with a fresh perspective. My name is Erin, and I'm an English language teacher. After a decade in the classroom, I found myself teaching the same things in the same way. My learning seemed to have plateaued. I wanted to take charge of my learning, and I really like how the online Learn Your English courses don't prescribe anything. They motivate me to reflect on my teaching and propose tactics and ideas I hadn't considered. If you're a language teacher wanting to learn inside your busy schedule, I highly recommend their online courses on Thinkific. Head on over to lyenetwork.thinkific.com. That's lyenetwork.thinkific.com. Take control of your education. You won't regret it. Hello, friends. This episode of Teacher Talking Time is brought to you by English Central. English Central is by far one of the best source for textbooks and resources in ELT. I don't know about you, but I've been going there for about 15 years. And whether you're an institution or instructor, they have a great selection for you from business to general to academic English and even test prep. So if you're a teacher looking to develop, they have tons of great PD books as well, including two friends of ours who have been on this podcast, Mr. Merrick Kikoviak with Teaching English as a Lingua Franca, and Neil McCutcheon, who released Activities for Task-Based Learning. Check out the English Central online at englishcentral.net, or 
If you're in Toronto, they're right at Young and St. Clair Avenue. Talk to Nicole. She'll be more than happy to chat with you. Now, let's go back to the show. Hi, everyone. My name is Marek Kiczkowiak, and I'm from Poland. You're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Number three. Okay, now let's flip the switch a little bit. Going same thing, same back to elementary school, high school, whatever it could be. Do you have, or I'm sure you do, who was your favorite teacher growing up and why? I had a few yeah. very influential teachers, but I was so arrogant. I remember in high school, I had a okay. drama teacher said, Matthew, you should become a drama teacher. And she had given me a lot of freedom to write and direct my own shows. And like, you know, I just looked at her and said, Debbie, I don't want to teach. I want to do. Oh. Oh, what a terrible thing to say to your teacher. And then, yeah. of course, my karma was not only did I end up becoming a teacher, but I brought my first drama class to present their play to her <laughs> class as a way of making up for it. But, yeah, I had a number of teachers who were inspiring. And uh, it's funny, when you start teaching, at least for me, I realized where are all my ideas coming from. And it, some of them were coming from teachers' college or TESOL training or, uh, you know, whatever the uh, things other people were doing. But most of it was coming from what my teachers had done with me, but the vast majority of it. So, boy, do I owe them a debt of gratitude. And I had a really great English teacher as well when I first went to secondary school at the age of 11. Um, I remember that she was she was really, really good. Maybe that was why I wanted to, to be that kind of teacher. Do you remember her name? And, and this sounds like a lollipop moment. Did you tell her that she was a great teacher? Oh, I should have done. Miss Moffat. Um, <laughs> Moffat, okay. <laughs> Yeah, she was great. Why was she great? Um, I think that she she didn't she asked us questions, um, and she really asked for our kind of views and our opinions, and and pushed us in that way, and asked us why. So, I mean, I think this was um, mm-hmm. like now I look back, it was it was very much kind of critical thinking. She was really encouraging us to cr- think critically about our answers and about why we came to those answers and why we have those those thoughts and opinions oh my first grade teacher mm. her name is miriam <laughs> wow she, she she's the reason why i love studying i remember her lessons i remember my first day at school at first grade and i wanted so much to go to school because my brothers are older than me and i thought they were so smart having their backpacks coming back from school and writing their notebooks she's a great teacher she was a great teacher she she's alive but not teaching anymore and she's the reason why i like studying you know the the impact she had in my life was amazing and actually basically all of my portuguese teachers have done that to me uh i'm not a math person (laughs) but i'm sure my teachers have tried their most (laughs) but she was definitely the, the the person that comes to my mind my first teacher. It's interesting because a lot of I've interviewed you're, you're number six and we're doing six interviews. And of the previous five, if I remember, a lot of people have said that maybe not the first grade, but some teacher very early in education has been their favorite or yeah. most memorable. And uh, I don't know if there's a reason for that or maybe just a coincidence, but I find it very fascinating. Yeah, I've never studied about it, but it's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. The impact they have on our education. First impressions are important. Do you have, or did you have a favorite teacher growing up? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, 
Not really. Um, okay. Yeah, there were not many inspiring teachers. I, I remember I had one teacher who I lo- who I loved when I was at um, I don't know primary school. We call it in England, mm-hmm. um, and she was just very nice to me. So I think uh, she kind of like really encouraged me, like picked me out, and I guess she decided that she would really try to bring something out of me or encourage me in, in every way possible. So she she stands out for me, Mrs. Not. This is nuts, yeah. all right. Um, with a K, K-N-O-T. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but other than her... Um, right yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, the others, yeah, I wouldn't say there's any other teacher that really... There have been teachers that I've liked some aspects of their teaching. Okay. Like, some of them have been very, have been very funny or interesting or, like, kind of quirky. But I wouldn't say there's, like, one teacher other than her who was, like, really inspiring. You know, people ask this question all the time, and... I remember my second grade teacher, Ms. Stevenson, she was always kind. And I remember my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Lauterbach, she was always nice and very kind and helpful. But beyond that, like they didn't make a big change in my life. Um, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Reed, she hated me and put me in the corner all the time because I always thought. <laughs> and I went to a, <laughs> a private Catholic school, so I had to like stand in the corner oh. and face in the corner with the hat on. Like it was no joke. Okay. So I remember her the most. Uh, do you model your teaching after anyone? Yeah, I will say this. As an adult going through the teacher program, I had a teacher that I spent about three weeks with doing like a small teaching internship, whatever they're called, student teaching. Practicum or something um, like that? Yeah. yeah, like a practicum. Okay. Um, and... Her name's Emily Chavez, and I love her. And once I saw her I teach, I said, I want to be her. She's amazing. Kids love her. She has great energy. She's so smart and just intelligent and knows and so good at Spanish and just knows how to teach and get with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still friends. I We share ideas and material and information and stories. We meet like twice or three times a year. Wow. Um. But yeah, her. If I'm going to say anybody, her. She's amazing. Number four. The next question. It yeah. requires a little bit of explaining because it's a little bit inside baseball for me. Um, there's a TED Talk that I like to use and we like to use in class. And I'm sure lots of people use it. And it's called Everyday Leadership. And it's a very short talk. It's only about six minutes, but it's great because the speaker defines or uses a phrase that he, I think he invented, which he calls lollipop moments. And while uh, it's not a real thing, so he made it up, so it requires a bit of an explanation. Uh, A lollipop moment, according to him, is a moment where you or someone had a significant impact positively on another person's life. Now, he tells a story of when he was finishing university in Canada and he was part of like the orientation for the new people coming into university in their first year. And he happened to meet uh, a girl who was very nervous about coming to university. She wasn't sure if it was for her. She wanted to go home. She was very stressed. He didn't know any of this information. He was just handing out like booklets and information on the on the university, etc., and he kind of made a joke and he mm-hmm. there's a guy another guy who was very nervous and he handed a lollipop to this guy and he said you need to hand this lollipop to the beautiful woman standing next to you and he got very embarrassed and she got embarrassed and they kind of ran away 
But the TED Talk continues, and he says four years or five years or whatever years later, that girl, now woman, contacted him and said, thank you, and you should know that now he and I are actually getting married. Uh, and he was invited to their wedding, and he went to the wedding, and it's a, it's a cool thing. So he, he coined this phrase, lollipop moment. Now, of course, people make positive impacts on other people all the time. But he says most people don't tell other people that they did it. So here's my question. Do you have a lollipop moment, either a student doing something for you or you doing something for a student? Which the answer, of course, is yes. But the catch is... Has the student told you that you made that impact or vice versa? Have you told the student or maybe it was a teacher of yours that they made that impact on you? Uh, that's, that's a rough one. Um, I don't know. I would probably go back to Emily Chavez being my lollipop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because as soon as I saw her, I knew that it was going to be okay. Like, like, if I can be like her, if this is what it is, and I can be like her in any way, then I'm on the right path, and I'm going to be fine. Um, Did you tell I, her that? Yes, I tell her that every time I see her. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate her so much. She's just amazing. She probably doesn't even realize how, much, how awesome she is, because she has so much going on, but she's just awesome. Well, she'll know now. She's going to know now. <laughs> Um, as far as me making that impact, I don't think I've done that yet to anybody. If I have, I don't know about it. No, not true. Because that's the thing that everybody does. This is why everybody can be a leader, according to him. It's just the people um, who the people who say no is the people who haven't been told. I will say that that is probably true. I mean, I hope that I made a difference in someone's life. Um, I got in maybe it's a parent in your case. I got a message on LinkedIn, which I never am on, mm-hmm. I don't know when, maybe last year, from a parent of a student that I had maybe my second year of teaching. And she said, um, I've been searching for your contact information. I finally found you through here. Um, my daughter, I think her name was Erica. My daughter was supposed to find or get in, t- in touch with a number of teachers or people who have made an impact in her life. And you came to her mind. We just want to reach out and say thank you. I was, and that's all I heard. I think I emailed back and said she asked for a better email address or a better contact information, and I never heard back. But I was surprised. That, there you that, go. So I don't know what the impact was, or what it was, or what she even thought. But that was really nice to receive. That's great. And, and Erica, Erica's mom, year. if you're listening. Yeah. Angela wants that, to hear from. Him. That was the worst year of my teaching career so far. Like I. I did not enjoy it. I cried every day. It was horrible. Mm. So I don't know what I did <laughs> to her or for her, but something. Why was it so bad? Well, the first two years of my teaching career, I was in inner city Columbus, mm. and it was rough. Um, my first year was in a high school. Actually, ended up being a great year. I loved it. As a first-year teacher, to be thrown in, I mean, it's, it's hard anywhere, but it was rough that year but I actually enjoyed my time and I wanted to stay there but they made cuts so I was forced to leave right um so I ended up at a middle school on the same part of town but it was it was bad and there was no support from administration parents weren't very supportive if they were there at all and kids just 
didn't value education, especially Spanish class. I mean, right. that's the last thing I wanted to do. And I had a lot of problems, a lot of issues. Um, and I cried almost every day. So, yeah, as you, as you were speaking, I was trying to think of a moment. And, um, yeah, it's funny. So, uh, I mean, speaking humbly, I have received like a lot of little notes and cards over the years, you know. As many teachers have as well, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so I never got one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you some of mine. So I mean, just change the name. Why out the name? I got hate mail. I never got any. <laughs> anyway, sure. I was teaching at a college in in Toronto, teaching domestic students, um, and it was very, very, very challenging because these students are not—they're just not motivated. They don't really want to be there. And so I had a hard time because it was my first time teaching it, and even going from class to class, like as I, um, as time passed, I did it for a year, and um, yeah, it was it was a struggle at times, like just getting these guys to pay attention and, and trying to help them and, and convincing them that they should be uh, listening to you because you're trying to help them with not only their lives now but in the for their futures, you know, like they they need to learn how to write um, papers and reports and so on. So I had a um, yeah I had a I had a group of like nurses nurses mixed in with some guys that were doing I don't know uh, auto mechanics or something like that. So the auto mechanic boys they were yeah like a bit rough around the edges <laughs> they were they weren't you know they were, they weren't really interested. But um, but some of the other ladies some of the ladies were, and I was very happy because um, one of the ladies said to me, or she gave me like a note at the end of a little card, and she said, um, you have made me uh, rediscover my my interest in writing. Mm. Like she, she, I guess she was like in her 30s or whatever. She hadn't written in like 10 years or something like that right. since school or whatever. And so she had been working and and yeah, that was cool. That was really cool because nice. um, she she obviously enjoyed my class, but she also uh, learned something. And, and on top of that, she, like she obviously has some kind of uh, interest in writing and um, desire to write. And I help somewhat. Fantastic. Yeah. To bring that out of her um, in a class where half the students were not really motivated, but I, I kept going and I just focused on the, the ones that were. So that was really, that, I guess that was like a lollipop moment. That's a really nice name, actually, the lollipop moment. <laughs> and I would say that, um, actually, lollipop moments are the reason that I got into teaching business English. Um, I guess I teach a mi- mixture between business English, ESP, and intercultural communication, um, because I work with kind of small groups who have a very key focus, mm-hmm. um, a communication focus, and a communication goal. And our courses um, are generally either tailored towards that particular goal or they are, I mean, ongoing, um, but with regular goals. So with the teaching, that, the kind of teaching that I do, there's, there's a lot of instant feedback. Um, so whether it's we're, we're dealing with, um, I don't know, they have to prepare um, one class that I was teaching, they, ha- they had to um, update their British boss. Mm. Um, 
every couple of weeks. So every couple of weeks, we would um, kind of be working towards this update. And it was generally the same kind of language that they needed, um, but it was always different projects, different asset projects or real estate projects or renovation projects. Um, and then they would get instant feedback from their boss. And then the next week, they would tell me about that. And they would say, oh, you know, well, this thing that we did together, it really prepared as well. And our boss gave us this feedback. And uh, our, our boss actually told us that, that, oh, our English has improved, for example. And so that kind of gave me instant feedback as well that okay what we were doing was really helping or maybe okay what we were doing at that point maybe wasn't helping so much so i need to change um change those activities or change that focus it sounds like this drama teacher was a lollipop moment maybe for you or maybe not but did you do you have yeah. another example of something where you on both either end where you later expressed gratitude to to that person oh. who influenced your career and have you had students come to you and, and do the same thing well it's funny that you mention it one teacher who was very influential I don't think I was his favorite student it was in the drama program we had a teacher who was really good at getting us to drop out of our thinking minds and into our body responses and it was a real paradigm shift for me because I'm a very intellectually driven person mm -hmm. and uh, but this teacher was a genius of getting you to act from your body intelligence and the irony is, I don't like I said, I'm pretty sure I wasn't his favorite student. Like there were other students who you could tell he got pretty excited about what they were doing. And in my, def I don't know, so defense, I wasn't specializing in acting. I was specializing in playwriting. But I took the drama class, the acting class, when I was in my undergrad, and I'm glad I did. He had a huge influence on me. I've never seen him since I left Montreal all those years ago. And even if I did, I'm not even 100% sure he would remember me. But I remember he always gave feedback. And one... Well, that's what a lollipop moment is. Is usually the person who made, who did the action that was impactful doesn't remember it because it wasn't impactful yeah, yeah, yeah. to them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. But he said, Matthew, one good thing about you is you remember all the feedback I give you. You know, anything I say, you, I can tell that your next performance, you're trying to apply what I told you as a teacher. And this has stuck with me over the years. For better or worse, I've realized I do remember everything everyone says. And if it's about anything related to my performance, I do try to improve on it or react to it in some way. This probably made me a good teacher, too, because I realize how important nuanced feedback is. But feedback doesn't just have to be about the work. It could be about the student's attitude. It could be mm -hmm. about their clothes. It's something that recognizes their worth, their value as a human being, as a person, celebrates their positive potential. And then, of course, in the language context, how they speak and how they're using language. So he had a huge in impact. And I don't feel any impetus to get in touch with him because, again, I... I think he had that impact on 98% of the students he taught, uh, and I don't think he's sitting by the phone waiting for a call from me, although maybe I'm wrong. See, that's interesting, because I think a lot of people, myself included, think that, and then I think when we do receive it, that gratitude from someone, it feels oh good, and God. it's and as a teacher, and I'm a teacher, and, and we're, yeah. hopefully most teachers are listening, maybe not, you know, but in any profession, mm -hmm. when you get that gratitude, I mean, it feels good, and... We like to think that we make an impact on all of our students. We don't yeah. on all of them, obviously. But when you get that feedback, it's yeah. it, I don't know if it's validation. And, and not that we need validation, but I yeah. think there's something to it where it's No, nice. there's a lot to it. I've had, yeah, for sure, in fact, yeah. I had a student this term write, a, she had to write a general essay for English placement test. Mm -hmm. And in it, she said the course that I had taught had changed her whole view of the world, which wow. made me feel like, okay, what I'm doing is useful. Because you're not always sure, right? I mean, it makes money, but sometimes... Not so sure you've really made an impact. And I had a student I taught two years ago come the other day and walk into the class. And at first I shook her hand and all that. But then she hugged me and that was really nice. It was like 
you know, whatever I taught two years ago still stayed with her. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, these moments do happen and they matter. And when it happens to me, I always think about who, who I need to do the same with. And You're right. I need to, I'll to get in touch with that, that teacher I mentioned. <laughs> well, that's up to you. I'm not saying you should. But, <laughs> um, Maybe I should. Are you aware I'm, I'm those type of crying people? <laughs> because you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so if my voice sounds a little like, uh, it's your fault. Okay, All right? I take responsibility. <laughs> well, um, I used to teach a lot of teenagers, young teenagers, and even children when I started my career. And some of them, when they tell me, I like English because of you, I study English because of you, I feel, you feel like you have, uh, you have fulfilled something, you know? But that's, like you said, that, that happens to all of us. But there was a girl who was really, uh, she was really shy. And uh, if I'm not wrong, she had some cases of depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, she found reasons for living and for, uh, for going further by English. And uh, she started learning songs. She started listening to music and listening to music that would empower her. Uh, songs that would say how life is beautiful, how it's worth living. And uh, there was a moment, uh, a day at school, it was a break, and she had the opportunity to come to me and say, ah, I want to quit English because it's difficult, people make fun of me, and etc. And I just hugged her, and I told her, you can do it, go for it. And she was like, ah, okay, you say that to everyone. <laughs> and we started talking, you know, we, we started talking every day. She had lessons. She would stay for a bit longer. And I would tell her, okay, I, I have problems in my life too. And I have overcome them. And you can do that as well. She's my friend since then. <laughs> She's not so younger than I am. So I guess that's why it was uh, different for her to listen to me. When we listen to people who are uh, really older than we are, they are from different generations, they have different perspectives. And I think that maybe that's why they don't get along very well. And uh, guess what she is now? She's, I'm going to say a teacher. Yeah, an English teacher. An English teacher. <laughs> Fantastic. There you go. So, uh, you know, that that was one thing uh, um, that, that caught my attention because I knew she was a good person. I knew she could do it. And she believed in herself. She learned how to do that. Because mm-hmm. I learned how to do that for me, too. It good. wasn't easy. Fantastic. That That's a good story. What about the opposite? Uh, I'm sure you have dozens, maybe even hundreds of people who have impacted your life. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you told them? Yeah. Uh, it may sound cliche, but the person who impacted my life the most is my husband. Okay. He was the one who saw how miserable I was when I used to do law things, you know, and how how my life was not doing fine because of my choices. I thought that I was supposed to work with law because I was graduated and things like that. And then he told me, okay, you teach in the morning, you shine. You go to the court, you come back like all stressed out and unhappy. Then you teach again. And when I get home by 10.30 p.m., you're shining. Go for it. <laughs> you know, and when you are afraid of leaving things, of quitting things, especially because of financial reasons. And he was the one who told me, go, shine, shine bright. You deserve Good. to be happy. And you told him that that was meaningful for you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I always do. That's great. I'm and that's the thing. That's I, it. I think it is important to, to say people how important they are in our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. 
people they 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 don't do that because they want to uh, listen to you back. They do that because it's just what they are. They're kind. But when you when you talk to people, when you say how important you were in their lives, they feel even better, and maybe they can start impacting more people. I think I'd rather talk about the lollipop moment as a student. Okay. When I was because I did my PhD at King's College London, mm-hmm. that was from 1999 to 2003, and my PhD supervisor was the late Professor Brian Street, and I did not have one lollipop mo- uh, moment, I had many. To give you one of them, um, uh, Brian was not just a teacher or a university professor. He um, treated me as well as other students as a father. And that was a big and I came to know that because he, he cared for me. To give you an example, he always wanted... It was not just trying to look at my academic work, looking at my personal life as well to see if he could help me mm-hmm. in any way. At that point in time, being a, an overseas student in the UK on your own, uh, you know, budget limited. Of course. You, you, and then he would send me off to these conferences and seminars. He would find some way of funding those seminars. And um, I think that was one of the most interesting things that, uh, the most important things that I learned about being a teacher, caring for students, not just trying to say your grammar is wrong or, I don't know, you got this wrong, your writing should improve. You try to look at them as friends, uh, treat them as people uh, who might be with you uh, and you know be in touch with you throughout your life. It's not just getting rid of them the session, but Wonderful trying to advice. come up with long-term relationships with your students. And that was one of the. It, it was not a moment, I would say. Uh, I don't. I don't think that it was a moment. It collection was, of moments. It was a collection of moments put together, and it. I learned that I. To be a good teacher, I need to care for my students. Connection is it, right? That's that's. I hope that's why we all do this. Yes, right? absolutely. Couldn't phrase it any better. Um, the follow-up question, of course, is: Did you tell him that? Um, this is the lollipop moment. Uh, it's, it's everybody. The the, the point is, uh, the speaker okay. says everybody has these moments or experiences, but not. Uh, but the majority okay. of people do not tell the person who I, I know. impacted I, them. I think this is this is this is a drawback. On me personally, I'm not very good in expressing my feelings uh, orally. Okay. Um, and I'm very sorry that I did not say that very explicitly to Brian before he passed away. But I was constantly in touch with him because he, he was suffering from cancer. And I tried to... Uh, we exchanged emails a lot, um, trying to show that I care, and he did the same thing. Uh, so we were in touch, but I don't know why um, I did never found the courage to say, Brian, I love you as a father, and I wish I had told him that. If, but well, but then, alas, I, it, it, it never happened. I. In a way, you're telling him now. I'm telling him now, <laughs> and um, 
when he passed away, uh, we put together um, uh, a collection of memories and pictures that we had with him, his previous students, and we, uh, we just shared it with us. And I said that then, uh, and I wish I had told him when he was still alive. That's a wrap for part one of our two-part mini-series called Why Did You Become a Teacher? Thanks so much for listening. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you. Info at learnyourenglish.com. Drop us a line over there. We'd like to thank all six teachers who generously participated in this episode, and to all the teachers everywhere for being an inspiration to someone. Have a look out for part two coming up in the coming weeks with the final four questions for our instructors. I'm Andrew, and we'll see you then. been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.